0: Today the discussion. <coughs> today the discussion is about the the origin of what makes sins happen, and the origin of what will assist a person to do obedience. So the root cause of both of these things is what Ibn Attal speaks about today. He says. أَصْلُ كُلِّ مَعْصِيَةٍ وَغَفْلَةٍ وَشَهْوَةٍ الرضا عَنِ النَّفْسِ The source of every disobedience and indifference. One is we have indifference and the other one is then we commit disobedience. Indifference is negligence, no care, عَدَمُ Mubalat. So أَصْلُ كُلِّ مَعْصِيَةٍ وَغَفْلَةٍ وَشَهْوَةٍ these are the three big problems We have indifference That's why we'll commit sins um, That's one reason for committing sins Sins are also committed out of extreme shahwa and desire So it's the shahwah that creates Even if a person has uh, Concentration on the deen But sometimes we fail But if a person has Heedlessness and indifference As he says here Which is a very good way of saying this Then this will obviously lead to sin So ghaflat Every sin the origin of every sin of indifference and of shahwa. the root cause of now all of these is al and nafs which is self-satisfaction to not think that we need to do any more to feel that we're we're fine <clears throat> and I think largely speaking although many people who go to the masjid and so on they will have some <coughs> amount of <coughs> they will have some amount of um concern about their state but generally speaking people think that they're doing enough unless something shakes them they hear a, a lecture that gets to their heart that shows their underlying problem then they may start appreciating more that We're not fine. But a lot of people actually think that I'm doing my Salat just about. That's enough. Because they don't know Allah. When you don't know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what He requires from us and the purpose of our creation, then you think you're doing enough. Because doing Salat is a voluntary thing. You don't get paid for it. So fasting in Ramadan, you don't get paid for it. It's something we exert ourselves to do, to do wudu, to pray salat. So then that can easily deceive us to thinking, we're doing a lot. Who, who do we do, do even half as much as that for? Voluntarily. you know, To rush away from everything and I have to pray namas. So they haven't understood the direction of their worship. We think we're doing enough and then those who are a bit more advanced they think that any extra nawafil they do that's a that's a favor he's already dispelled all of that idea by saying that don't get too excited by that because at the end of the day that's his tawfiq to you that he even considered you to be worthy of doing this so he's saying that the source of every disobedience indifference and passion at different levels will be definitely is self satisfaction The source of every obedience, vigilance, which means to be concerned, to be constantly focused on making Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy, self-criticism. And virtue, the source of all of this is dissatisfaction with oneself. It is better for you to keep company with an ignorant man dissatisfied with himself than to keep company with a learned man satisfied with himself. So that means knowledge should bring about dissatisfaction, but sometimes it doesn't when the knowledge doesn't come with the khashiyah. So being knowledgeable doesn't guarantee. It helps, but it doesn't guarantee and this is exactly what Imam Ghazali chases after. That you think you know, it doesn't mean you act. It doesn't mean that you've reached. For what knowledge is there in a self-satisfied, self-satisfied scholar? And because the, 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 the knowledge doesn't do anything. And what ignorance is there in an unlearned man dissatisfied with himself? What he says about unlearned here means somebody who hasn't studied further. Probably knows the basics acting as fara'id, but he's dissatisfied with himself. He's always self-critique. He's, he always has self-critique. <clears throat> so, Ibn Ajiba explains this as, everybody who is satisfied with themselves will consider themselves to be in a good state. ahwalaha. <laughs> he He'll actually think that he's doing good. Now, thinking yourself do good is fine to a certain degree as long as you can distinguish. But he says that he will then cover up his evils because the nafs is essentially understand the nafs as a selfish person who is greedy, glutton, has a lot of gluttony. So they won't look at the bad, they'll just be really enjoying the good that's coming along and then he says that an eye of satisfaction about any type of defect is extremely heavy and burdensome it's very dangerous Then he says anybody who does start being suspicious of themselves, accuses themselves and looks at themselves with censoring eyes, telling off, admonishing eyes and looks for the defects and extracts all the evils that are inside. That's why the same poetry says "Wala sukhti tubdil masawi," an eye of saying basically it's almost like wrathful eye, being on a wrath against yourself, not just looking at yourself comfortably, but being on a wrath against ourselves. Then that is what will make evident the evils. So then he says, "Fabhath ayuhal murid an masawi." Or, person who is a Murid, Muridullah, who is searching for Allah, look for your evils. Be suspicious of yourself. Don't think that anything your nafs does is always good. Because if you're satisfied with your nafs and you think everything that happens is good, you will be poisoning yourself biting yourself and you won't even know and you will be preventing it and veiling it from the real presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while you don't even realize Abu Hafs al-Haddad one of the pious individuals of the past he said that whoever is not suspicious of themselves all the time and who, which, uh, and and the one which does not oppose the the person who does not oppose his nafs all the time. You start off with opposition. No, there must be something wrong here. And who does not force it to do what it dislikes, the good things that are good, but which it dislikes to do because of the hardship and difficulty, <clears throat> then he is deceived. Anybody who looks at himself, he says, and always thinks good of himself, then he has destroyed it. He says, how can, وَكَيْفَ يَصِحُ لِعَاقِلٍ أَرْرِضَا عَنْ نَفْسِهِ How can an intelligent person, who knows these things, how can they ever be satisfied that they're perfect? وَالْكَرِيمِ إِبْنُ الْكَرِيمِ إِبْنُ الْكَرِيمِ يَقُول While the Kareem, the, the noble one, son of the noble one, son of the noble one, who is that? Yusuf عليه السلام, he himself said about himself, Prophet, son of a Prophet, son of a Prophet, said, وَمَا nafsi. إِنَّ النَّفْسَ لَأَمَّارَةٌ Suddenly all of this which seems extreme suddenly makes sense. Just because of this. <clears throat> he says, I do not exonerate my nafs. I don't consider it to be free of problem. Because nafs, the nafs, is constantly inciting to evil. Except the one whom my Lord has mercy on. Another poet says, Tawakka nafsaka la ta'man. فَالنَّفْسُ أَخْبَثُ Beware of your nafs, beware of your lower self. Don't ever feel secure from its deceptions. Because the nafs is more filthy than 70 shaitans. Why? <clears throat> because it's so close to us, it's part of ourself, it's the inside force When you've got an inside force that you love, that you feel attached to Then it's much more dangerous because it's closer to home سقطي, One of the great uh, pious individuals of the past, he said مَنَ عَرَفَ عَنْ Whoever recognizes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will live. He lives the true life. Whoever becomes inclined to the dunya, he becomes wild in its passions. The ahmak, the stupid one, comes and goes in nothing. They, he spends his days doing nothing. And the aqil, the one who is intelligent, truly intelligent, about his defects, he is constantly looking for his defects. Fatashu is constantly inspecting. an in always look oh my brother he said look for your Uyub, look for your defects if you really have goodwill towards yourself, if you really love yourself, if you really want to advise yourself and do the best for yourself, then look for your yub. If you do look for your defects, and you do put to shame, its nakedness, then you have found an escape. And you've done the right thing. What the And you've been firm. الحضرة, and then you will be able to enter the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He then says, uh, his grand shaykh used to say, man curse, Allah's curse be upon the one who his nakedness, meaning something that should be concealed, was displayed to him and he then did not put it down. He did not expose it. He did not do something about it. Curse be upon some person. That, okay, this person has been shown his problem, but he still doesn't. So these are moments when you're hearing a lecture, you see somebody else, something bad happened to them, you realize I've got this problem as well. So these things become evident to a person. And we still don't do anything about it, then that's even worse. Also, he used to constantly tell people that do not keep judging people. مراقب nas, Don't keep looking with a sharp eye over other people. So your focus is always on critiquing others. And you should not worry about other people. You should worry about yourself. Because... <clears throat> The only way you can take ostentation out of you is by not critiquing others. Because the only way you can think yourself bigger than others is if you start seeing defects and, not, and people have defects. So you start focusing on those defects so then you suddenly start bigging your own self up. <laughs> and that's why he said whoever wants to become khalis and pure in this regard then they should find somebody who has achieved purification and that's why the next part is he says that it's better for you to accompany an ignorant one who is not satisfied with himself that is superior than accompanying <coughs> an alim who is satisfied with himself <coughs> he said because uh, companionship of somebody who is not satisfied with themselves is a khab, uh, is a khayrun it's a pure it's pure virtue it's pure goodness because he's going to have ikhlas. He's going to constantly be assessing himself. And he said that if there is somebody who is satisfied with themselves and you have, company, you have their company, then that is pure evil. Because even if he's the most knowledgeable person in the dunya, because nature's... لِأَنَّ الطِبَاءَ تَسْرُكُ الطِبَاءَ Nature, uh, people's dispositions steal from other dispositions. We do this without even realizing we take from other people he said because a person who is not very well educated but who provides you closeness to the Hadrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's superior than an alim who will distance you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that, that is why some of the Arifin actually said that some of the people with the most intense veil from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the ulama then the Ubbad then the Zuhad because of them having the chance and not taking it. And then he said the ignorance that actually takes you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is knowledge. Whereas the knowledge that takes you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ignorance. When a person is not satisfied with themselves, they are going to be constantly looking to do better. That That is the secret of all of this. <coughs> then... They're the only ones who will actually avoid and escape from the nafs becoming their master. And then the person will truly become a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if that is the case, then the master will begin to love that person, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The master will begin to love that person. And then he will choose him to be in his presence. See, what happens in any situation (coughs) is that you have servants. They do different functions around the estate, around the house, around the business. Those few that you think are very useful, and they shine somehow, then they're promoted to be personal attendants, they're allowed to be close. So this is, although in the case of the human being, the the master is looking for someone, the employer is looking for someone to be of benefit. So he's looking for the, his benefits within the benefit of the person. That person makes him feel good, comes up with bright ideas, has a lot of utility, very intelligent in that sense. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he does it to honor them. He doesn't need their help. So he chooses the servants that are working well in wherever they are to honor them. So here it's just pure honor, it's just complete honor. However, for all of this kind of self-abasement, self-scrutiny, <clears throat> if somebody starts doing this without a guide and without the base, then they may beat themselves up too much. So some amount of guidance and knowledge is definitely needed here because shaitan will use everything to abuse us. If he can't indulge us, then in our abstinence and tajreed, he will try to make us excessive. So that's the difficulty of this path, but that's the difficulty of this life. This life is not easy. So someone might take it in their mind that you know I'm going to be so critical right now, and then it may actually end up becoming dry zuhud. He may end up becoming a person overexerts themselves, which shaitan is waiting for. Because when a person overexerts themselves and the nafs is not made yet, it doesn't have enough dhikr and spend time <clears throat> for that to happen, then what will happen is then the nafs will eventually be ca- reign supreme. That's why actually <coughs> um, many of the ulama mention that constantly depriving your nafs for the one who's on that. I mean, most of us are not on that level. If somebody does feel that way, what the ulama mentioned is that if you deprive your nafs too much and you're not prepared for it yet, then if it rebels, it will be more destructive. That's why they say allow it, uh, permissible pleasures. What happens to a person who has diabetes who totally deprives himself of sugar? He'll end up getting low blood sugar which is more harmful than high blood sugar. So then he has to have a a very strong sweet. Do you understand? So, the people who can do full zuhud, it takes a while for that to be built up. I think the main message from here, I'll just conclusively read here, is that when a man is pleased with his condition, then he is in fact pleased with his own ego, whether his state is good or bad. Displeasure with the ego is the root of every evil, negligence and lowly desire. When a man is pleased with his ego, its defects and evils will become concealed from his gaze. And his own evil will also appear pleasing. His heart will feel safe and satisfied with his ego. He will then become forgetful of Allah Most High. In the wake of forgetfulness, stray satanic thoughts and lustful desires will strike one with force. Sin will then be the result. Being displeased with the state of one's ego is, a re- root, is the root of obedience, alertness, and purity. That's why sitting in majalis, where we're made to feel um, weak, we're made to feel that we're not there yet. That's really helpful because when we left to ourselves enough, slowly, slowly, slowly starts making ourselves feel good. So this kind of study helps a lot because it constantly makes us feel that we're not there yet because we're not there yet. When man is displeased with his ego, he will always be alert. He will understand every trick and desire of his enemy. He will examine intelligently every demand of the ego by the standards of the sacred law. And any demands that he finds in conflict with the law will be shunned. He'll be more careful in applying the religion to his life. In the initial stage of the path, the struggle against the ego is difficult. Sometimes the ego will emerge victorious and sometimes it will be defeated. However, if the struggle, mujahada is maintained, the power of the ego will gradually be neutralized and it will become content with the sacred law. It will then refrain from rebellion. Most of the time it will refrain from rebellion, then it will just be fine things that you'll have to worry about. Purity and obedience will become its nature, sin and inertia will be banished. Since the benefits of a knowledgeable one's company and the harm of an ignorant one's company are acknowledged facts, the Sheikh says that the company of a man who is ignorant of external knowledge, that's what he refers to here, like lots of external knowledge, he can't quote you hundreds of hadith. But displeased with his own ego is superior to the company of a learned man satisfied with his ego. The ignorant man mentioned in this context, though lacking in academic knowledge, understands with conviction that his ego is the embodiment of evil and defect. He does not commit the error of believing in himself as having any excellences. Such a man is spiritually perfect. Conversely, association with a man who is content with his ego despite his qualification academic knowledge will prove harmful. In him is the root of every evil. Hence even if his academic knowledge induces one to obey the sacred law, his moral state is dangerous and hence one cannot place confidence in him. His spiritual disease will most certainly exercise its influence at some time. His companionship will harm whomsoever is in is in his association. Because the influence of companionship is an acknowledged fact. Such a person will be enamoured by his academic research and pleased with his own self. This is precisely what forgetfulness is. The The disease of being satisfied with one's ego is extremely subtle. The one in whom it lurks is himself unable to detect it. The man who is always displeased with the state of his ego, regardless of how beautiful the condition of the ego may appear, will not be harmed by ignorance. On the other hand, the knowledge of a man of learning who is content with his ego, but who endeavours to acquire the pleasure of the people for his acts, this man's knowledge is of no benefit. Now this is extremely, extremely worrying. It is extremely worrying. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist us. May Allah help us all. So that's why we say to do the things that we do. The istighfar in the day helps to cut away at some of the darkness in our heart. It washes away some of the darkness that has crept into our heart because of the sin. It helps. So what that does is it brightens our heart to a certain degree. Sending blessings on the Prophet wasallam means that Allah then sends blessings on us. So for every blessing that we do on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Allah sends us a hundred blessings. That helps us a day, every day. So all of this is like we're eating every day. We're nourishing ourselves. Keeping the energy, the spiritual energy going. Do istighfar to purify. Salawat to adorn ourselves. We read some Qur'an to again be illuminated by it, by it and to have some benefit in by reading what we read to have some ibrah. The muraqabah to give us that, you can say that extra charge of connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's what muraqabah does. You know, you have different forms of phone chargers, some have 0.5 amps, 1 amp, 2 amps. The 2 amps will charge your phone faster, the 0.5 amp will charge your phone less. So if you look at your chargers, you'll see that these are the different types of chargers you have and different that that's why it takes different times so the muraqabah is that high powered charge that gives us in addition to everything else that we're doing so where your istighfar will be blessing and, uh, and, and, and uh, salawat etc all gives us reward for doing so as well this one just pushes us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us more focused so that our salat is improved and so on and so forth so that's, that's the whole purpose of all of this and the only way a person can be worried about themselves is if they, they are conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. That's why we have the wuquf qalbi. And the whole point of keeping an association with a sheikh, however weak that shaykh is. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're nothing. You know, We've just been put into this place to do this. So that's why we're trying to fulfill by the insistence of the shaykh. Otherwise we have absolutely no capability. We're just like you that's that's the state here but we're just providing a forum so that together inshallah we can reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the barakah that's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves gatherings of dhikr so that's what we do here that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us it's not easy Allahumma anta as-salam wa minka as-salam tabarak tayyad al-jalali wal-ikram Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum birahmatika nastagheeth oh Allahumma ya hananu ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimeen jazallahu anna muhammadam mahu ahlu Allah have your mercy on us Oh Allah have your mercy on us Oh Allah have compassion on us Oh Allah, us. Oh Allah treat us with gentleness Oh Allah treat us with your kindness and your generosity. Oh Allah, we ask for your mercy so that we can alleviate our life of sin. Oh Allah, that we can come out of our life of sin, our life of indulgence in this world, our life of blindness from our true self. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us knowledge of our own, knowledge of our connection with you, that you improve our association with you. O Allah, we ask that you make us of those who are constantly in your remembrance, constantly in gratitude. O Allah, O Allah, we ask that you make our hearts the way you want them to be. You remove the evil from them. You remove the love of disobedience from them so that we hate to do disobedience. You instill in them the love of obedience so that we want to do obedience. O Allah, O Allah, we ask that you give us an understanding of that which harms us and that which is beneficial for us. You allow us to see that properly and remove the veils of the shaitan from us. O oh Allah, we ask that you give us the tawfiq to do beneficial things in this dunya. O oh Allah, and you grant us the highest places in Jannatul Firdaus. Oh Allah, that you protect us and our families and our children. And you make this a source of closeness to you. Oh Allah, make this a source of gladness and closeness to you. Oh Allah, Oh Allah, we ask that you accept these majalis, you accept these majalis, and you make them a true source of remembrance of you. Oh Allah, Oh Allah, we ask that you accept us all. Oh Allah, we ask that you accept us all. Accept us all. Grant us the company of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Purify our states, and do not dishonor us on the day of judgment. Oh Allah grant us honor on the day of judgment. Grant us honor in the highest levels of Jannah al firdos and above all your satisfaction. Oh Allah we ask for your satisfaction. We ask for your satisfaction. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun <laughs> al-mursaleen.